Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 is our text. And this verse was written uh, at a time when Israel was in turmoil, when Israel had turned away from God. There, were, there was a lot of sin in the land. There was a lot of uh, trouble in the land. And one of the things that had really taken hold was that the men in the land had stopped attending Sabbath, had stopped attending temple. They weren't going and, and giving their time in worship, in a corporate worship setting to God, to their Father. I think there's a lot of parallels to that time and to our time today. And we're in a series talking about the family called All in the Family. And as I, I prayed and I was preparing, this is not the message I was preparing at the beginning of last week, wasn't until around Wednesday that the Holy Spirit really grabbed my heart and my mind and said, I, I want something different. And uh, so I started preparing this message. And it's titled, He Still Needs a Few Good Men. And I think you'll see, hopefully you'll see what uh, the crux of this message is as we get into it. If you would stand with me as we read God's word this morning, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so I might not destroy it. But I found no one. You may be seated. I searched for a man. I searched for a man. I searched for a man. A man who would do a job. A man who would stand up for truth. A man who would stand up for what is right. A man who would fulfill his responsibilities. The sad part of this verse, the sad part of this story is that last phrase, but I found no one. Today we celebrate fathers, men who have been tasked with raising the most precious commodity known to humanity, our children. And I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe that uh, nations come and go, fortunes come and go, uh, all kinds of things come and go. But the greatest responsibility we have as men is raising our children. And God has blessed us with the privilege and the honor of raising children. If you're here today as a father, be thankful for what God has placed in your life and understand the responsibility. Even if they're not your natural children, they're not your biological children, you may be part of a blended family. God has tasked you with the responsibility of raising those children. Even if you're not a father yet, God is preparing you now. And I pray that as you listen to this sermon this morning, you'll grab onto some things that will challenge your heart and will give you some, some goals to strive for so that you might become the man that God wants to use in the life of someone else. And maybe you are a man who is just just a man, just a man of God. Understand this, little boys are looking up to you. Little boys' eyes are on you. Little boys are learning from your example. I know that because I was one, long, long time ago. And I can tell you the men in my life, outside of my father, that had an impact on me that made a difference in me, 
that challenged me to be a better man. Some of those were good examples. Some of those were not so good examples. <clears throat> you have a choice of what kind of example you're going to be. What you don't have a choice in is whether or not you'll be an example. So I challenge you to listen to this and try to grasp some things that will help you become a better man. Being a father is an honor. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility. While mothers are the heart of the family, I believe fathers are called to be its soul. Leadership, protection, guidance, example, these are the responsibilities that fall on the father of a home. Let's be honest though, that doesn't really describe the average father or the average home today. I'm not gonna get into a lot of statistics because I don't really wanna go down that road this morning, but suffice it to say, in America we have a crisis. We have a crisis of fatherhood. We have a crisis of absent fathers. We have a crisis of absent fathers in the home. God doesn't ask his men to be perfect. He doesn't ask them to save the world. He doesn't ask you to join the Peace Corps. If you're gonna give your life to something special, join the army. If you're gonna give your life to something special, join the army. Come on now, come on, I'll keep saying it until I get somebody to say amen, join the army. <laughs> Just kidding, Just thank you, thank you, thank you. Or the Navy, my father, I gotta say that for my father. God simply desires men to follow him. That's all he wants. God simply wants men to follow him. He desires men of integrity, men of honor, men of grace, humility, passion. Those kind of men are who God wants to follow him. But according to many in our modern society, men are the problem, right? Men are the problem. Everything in society today is being blamed on, male, on the male mentality. How many of you heard the phrase toxic masculinity? Toxic masculinity. Yes, that's the problem, toxic masculinity. The male warrior complex, that's the problem. Violence is blamed on men having overly aggressive natural tendencies that have evolved over time, even in our sports contest. Men are being, here's one that I just, I just, Sometimes you go too far with your argument, and this is one of those. Men are being blamed for climate change. I'm serious, man. The blame for climate change is on, the, the climate change crisis is on men because women are more social. Women are more altruistic. Women are more empathetic, and women are more ethical. All of these behaviors are linked to environmentalism. And men don't have those qualities in abundance. So gentlemen, if you don't like the hot summer, blame yourself, <laughs> right? It's your fault, it's your fault. What's interesting about these observations is, though, is that those same people that claim that the male mentality is the problem are by and large the same people that say gender identity is fluid or is a choice. So which is it? That's all I ask, which is it? Can you choose what you wanna be? Or is it ingrained in your DNA and you have natural tendencies? You see, let me just take a side note here, okay? Because I'm getting really tired of this kind of stuff in society. I'm really getting tired of the way Christians are kowtowing 
to the Rainbow Mafia. Yes, I did say that out loud in church, okay? Folks, take back your faith. Stop apologizing for being a Christian. Stop apologizing for what the Word of God clearly says. Stop, stop tiptoeing around the issues of society and start standing for what is truth. That doesn't mean you hate anybody. That doesn't mean you despise anybody. It simply means that you believe a certain thing according to your faith and you're proud of that and you want to share that with other people. They have no problem attacking us. We don't attack back, we stand in love. That's what we do. But if we don't stand, we're going to continue to lose ground. And some of that ground we're losing is in the male role in society. It's being given up. It's being torched. I, I made a comment to a friend on Facebook who just, it was, it was just one of those modern day women who just think men should be mush. And I was like, listen, I don't think so. You've got it, you've got it, you just don't understand. Listen, ladies, if, I promise you this, if you'll stop telling men how to be men, then I'll stop telling women how to be women. You are who you are and, and, and be who God has called you to be and stop trying to make men more feminine. That's not who God has called them to be. God has called them to be men. I believe that the problem is that, the true, is that true masculinity, the very definition of what it means to be a man in the eyes of our creator God is under attack. Men are cajoled and browbeaten into submission. They're protested against and convicted on accusation before any proof is offered. And listen, before anybody attacks me or sends me an ugly message, yes, I know there are some dirt bags out there. And I think they should be locked away and the key should be thrown away. And I know that many men have hurt women through the years. I understand that. But there has come a time in our society where all you have to do is make an accusation and a man's life is ruined. And that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. You did it. If he's done it, convict him, put him away, make him pay the price. But this is getting ridiculous now. The Bible says not to bear false witness. Listen, I speak as one who's been there. I speak as one who's had to defend himself against lies. It ain't no fun. I had to answer Two weeks ago, my wife and I had to have a conversation with a young lady who brought some accusations that had been made about me from 12 years ago. And I had to straighten those out. Nothing but lies. You see, we've gone off the rails with this. And I know some of you don't like what I just said. And I know that goes against what you, what you want. But what we have to do is live according to the word of God and live according to truth and make sure that we are holding men accountable but also allowing men to be men. The excuse given is, well, that's just what men do. And unfortunately, men are giving in. <laughs> How many of you have seen the movie um, In the Heights? just came out on Disney. Uh, it was on Disney, on Disney, In the Heights. 
It's a Latino movie, right? It's a, a movie about Washington Heights. And it's, it's, it's all about, and, and this poor guy who wrote the movie and produced the movie, he's being, he, he's being harassed and he apologized for not having enough dark-skinned Puerto Ricans in the movie, right? Like, it's all about Puerto Ricans, man. It's all about Latinos, the Dominican Republic, and all these people, all the, the Latinos, and yet it's not, they're not dark enough. Come on. And he apologized. Stop. Stop, folks. We've gone too far. Feeling guilty has caused many men to capitulate and to give in to the lies and harangues from society. Now, I'm not talking about abusive manhood. I'm not talking about overly dominant manhood. That's not what I'm talking about. A bully is a bully, and he has no place in a conversation about true manhood. And gentlemen, if you're a bully, I pray that somebody stands up to you. I really do. And ladies, let me just say this. You need somebody to stand up to a bully in your life. 221-9398. That's my phone number. You call me, I'll be there. And I'm sure I can get a posse together. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> All right? Yeah. And we'll handle it, because I don't abide bullies at all. Not even one little bit. And that's not what this message is about. And gentlemen, if you're a bully, you better get yourself straight. Seriously, you have no place, no place for that in your life. And I'm so sorry for those of you women who have had to deal with bullies and have been abused by bullies in your life, because that's not right. But please, 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 don't let a bully color your view of what a true man of God is, because that's dysfunctional. We should never apologize or teach our sons to apologize simply for being a man of God. Part of the problem is that fathers have left homes in record numbers and left the job of raising children to mothers. That's a big part of the problem. Fathers have left homes. Some of you gentlemen have been raised in homes without a father. Let me make this statement is going to be up on the screen. And I hope you read it with the intent that it's written. If mothers could be fathers, then we wouldn't need fathers. If women could be men, then we wouldn't need men. But they can't be. Only men can be men. Only fathers can be fathers. I praise God for women who have stepped into the role. I really do. And I celebrate women today who have taken over the role of father in the house because it's necessary. But there is something about raising boys into men that needs a male presence. And that's why I mentioned being so thankful for the five gentlemen that were up here singing on, up on this part and then the two gentlemen were back here playing instruments and Amber. One lady, the one lady that graced the stage. Because we had seven men up here who were examples of godliness and service. And I appreciate it because I had two 10-year-old boys, I can't believe they're 10, two 10-year-old boys sitting back there watching and learning. What we need is men to be taught and trained and held, to be held account 
to being real men, godly men, Jesus honoring men. Then and only then will we see the pendulum swing back to the side of biblical manhood, making a difference in our homes and in our lives. One thing I know to be true, if you are weak enough in yourself to allow others to define you or to tell you how you should be, you'll never become the man that God intended you to be. We say that again. If you're weak enough to allow yourself in, in yourself to allow others to define you or tell you who you should be, you'll never become the man of God, the man that God intended you to be. You'll never lead or influence your family. You'll never partner with your wife in a successful marriage. And you'll never successfully raise children to become who God intended them to be. Remember, gentlemen, that's your number one role. That's your number one role as a father, raising children to be who God has intended them to be. You must be willing to look to God. You must be willing to look into his word and to allow his principles and his Holy Spirit to work in your life and mold you in God's brand of manhood. Man, that's why we have small groups on Wednesday nights. That's why every other week our men meet together. Wednesday night we come together to study the Bible. Wednesday night our men come together to look into the word and to converse back and forth and, give, and, and, and bounce uh, understanding and knowledge and questions off each other. And on Saturdays they get to, it's every other, it's every other Saturday, right? They get together just to be men getting together. Because the Bible says our iron sharpens iron. And ladies, you should encourage your husbands to go. You should be, encourage your husbands to be there on Wednesday. In fact, you should be here on Wednesday nights because we have a ladies Bible study. And then I also teach a study in here. And you should encourage your husbands to go on that Saturday morning so that they can be around other godly men. We have some good men in this church. We have some solid men in this church. I'm so thankful for who God has placed here. And if you want your husband to learn from other men how to be a man of God, well, man, we have a great group of gentlemen here to help you along the way. So what does a real man of God do? What are some solid qualities of a true man of God? Exactly what is God looking for in a good man? Exactly what is God looking for in a good man? Ladies, you may be saying this morning, well, geez, I'm getting off easy. <laughs> This is, this is a, a, a message to men. Not so much. Because listen, ladies, your responsibility to your husband is to support him and help him to grow, just like his responsibility is to support you and help you to grow. And your responsibility is to give your husband the freedom to become the man that God has called him to be. Aaron and I uh, have a very unique relationship. Good, good relationship, man. This is a solid relationship. But we, we came together. Uh, she was, uh, you know, she was an adult. <laughs> she was in her mid-30s. And I was even more of an adult in my past my mid-30s. <laughs> and, uh, and those two adult mentalities, it was like, <laughs> yes, 
it was like battleship meet torpedo. You know, it was it, there was there was some there was some uh, butting of the heads there, and I was very thankful for that because. Aaron challenged me and still challenges me to be a better man, to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be a better pastor, to be a better leader. And by the grace of God, I challenge her to be better as a woman of God. And I'm thankful for that relationship. And ladies, while you may think this message is all to men, understand this. You are, called to be a, you are called to hold your husband accountable to the standards that God has called him to meet. If he doesn't, guess what you should be doing? Not in a nagging way, in an encouraging way, in a loving way, in a challenging way, in a prayerful way. Hey, you want to know how to pray for your husband? Let's talk about it this morning, okay? Let's talk about some positive things, positive ways you can pray for your husband. The first thing I think that God is looking for in a good man is this. Men who own their actions. Men who own their actions. Man, that is in short supply today. Everybody blames everybody else. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to take ownership. Everybody wants to blame everybody else. <clears throat> I, I, I said this, I think I said it last week, and it came up so much this week. Can I just, can I, can I just inform you of something? Juneteenth is not a racial holiday. It's a day commemorating the end of the, the freeing of the last slaves in this country. It's not an LGBTQ holiday. It's not a black holiday. It's a holiday for this country to memorialize those that we abused for centuries and to remember the greatest sin of this nation and to remind ourselves never to go down that road again. So white people, stop with your righteous indignation about Juneteenth, okay? Enough is enough. It's a day of commemoration, not a day of celebration. I'll guarantee you, nobody celebrates the fact that their ancestors were hung from a tree by a group of white people who thought they were better than them. Stop blaming other people for everything and start owning your actions. As I said last week, when I have conversations with people of color about this issue, by and large, they're not looking for reparations. They're not looking for your bank account. They're not looking to take your land. They just want people to say, you know what? It happened and it was wrong. And that's the kind of silliness saying that we can't take ownership of those kind of things, saying that it doesn't exist, and saying that it wasn't as bad as everybody made it out to be. And for those of you in the South saying that the Civil War was about states' rights. <laughs> By the way, that states' right, whole, that whole states' right thing, you know what they wanted? The right to own slaves. It was about slavery. 
That's just one, you see, I know, I know I hit a touchstone there, I know I hit a nerve there to make a point. We need to stop, start taking responsibility for our lives, for our actions. And gentlemen, it starts with us. You'll never teach your sons and daughters to take responsibility and ownership until you show them that you take ownership. Until you, ex you, you live as, before them as an example of one who can say, I'm sorry. One who can say, I was wrong. Listen, I, I really, uh, I'm, I, I don't put on airs. I just, I'm just, a, I'm like my father. My dad is an old New England guy, old New England man, and, and I've become that. Not old, but a New England man. I've become, I've become that, that New England tough guy that's gonna take a stand and is just not gonna put up a foolishness. Because as I've matured and grown, I've realized the, the, total, the, the total foolish nature of, of playing around with those things. And yet, as tough an exterior as I wanna put on for people, I can still go to my sons, my oldest son and my two youngest sons and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Gentlemen, we need to learn how to own our actions. Some of you, your wives are begging for you to take responsibility. They're just begging for you to take responsibility. Not necessarily to say I was wrong, but to say, I'll do it. That's my role, that's my job. I'll do it. Some of you gentlemen are, are no longer with the, the wife, uh, the mother of your children. And that mother of your children is still waiting for you to take responsibility. Some of you watching us online, that mother of your children is still waiting for you to take responsibility for those kids. Gentlemen, you wanna be a man of God? Own your actions. Take responsibility. Excuses are for cowards. Passing the buck is for wimps. A real man takes responsibility for everything they do, the good and the bad. They humbly accept the honor and praise, and they apologize for their wrong actions. This requires men to look inward instead of outward. In Julius Caesar, William Shakespeare wrote, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Gentlemen, that's where we need to look first. We need to look at ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what is my role here? What is my responsibility? What is my part here? If things have gone down the wrong track, the wrong path, we need to ask ourselves, what did I do to contribute to this? Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5 says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but, didn't know, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, hypocrite, that's Jesus talking, man. Jesus is talking to men who look to others and blame others and try to change others rather than looking at themselves and, say, and says, you're a hypocrite. Hypocrite, first take the beam out of, your, of wood out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Own your actions. God has no use for men who blame others for their issues or, take, or don't take responsibility for those actions. Proverbs 28, 13 says, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. 
the one who will take responsibility, who will own his actions, that one will find mercy, he'll find grace, and God will work with him and strengthen him and grow him and knock off those rough edges. And I believe God will bring someone into your life and many people into your life if need be to help you become the man he's called you to be. Sometimes what God will do is open your eyes to, how, to what a wonderful woman he has put in your life. Sometimes God will open your eyes to see that your wife truly does love you and she wants the best for you. She just wants you to own up to your responsibilities. Wayne Dyer said, everything you do is based on the choices you make. It's not your parents, your past relationships, your job, the economy, the weather, an argument, or your age that is to blame. You and only you are responsible for every decision and choice you make, period. Gentlemen, until we learn to take responsibility, growing in Christ is gonna be a tough road to hoe. Second thing I think God is looking for in a good man is men who will make Jesus their priority. Not men who play at the game. Not men who just simply uh, just touch around the edges of Christianity, but men who will make Jesus the priority of their lives. Men who will make him number one. <laughs> men who acknowledge him in all things. A.W. Tozer said, to be entirely safe from the devil's snare, the man of God must be completely obedient to the word of the Lord. The driver on the highway is safe, not when he reads the signs, but when he obeys them. Not when he reads the signs, when he obeys them. <clears throat> you grow in the Lord, not simply because you read his word, gentlemen, but because you take that word and apply it to your life. You take that word and you look at it and you tear it apart and you allow it to tear you apart because the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the, uh, and divides asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. That's what the word of God is. That's what it will be to you if you allow it to be. If you'll make Jesus your priority, then you're on your way to being a man of God that God is looking for. Real men of God know what life, what this life is really about. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 tell us, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm so thankful and so proud of you gentlemen who showed up for church today. Gentlemen, don't, don't take it for granted because I sure don't. I'm so proud, and I don't mean that in a demeaning, uh, condescending way. I mean that honestly from my heart. I am so proud of you for showing up today to church because you could have done anything else today. You were encouraged to do other things today. You were encouraged to make this day all about you and to go out and do whatever it is you wanted to do. And nobody would look sideways at you for taking Father's Day and spending it on the golf course or taking Father's Day and spending it on the lake and fishing. But you chose the better part, as Jesus said to Martha. You chose the better part. You chose to be here. That's a good step in making Jesus your priority.
Don't just let that be Father's Day. Make that every Sunday. Be here. Make him your priority. Be a part of this church. Jump in and join in and become part of it. Encourage your brothers in the faith to do that same thing. Because men make men better. Real men seek to bring honor and glory to God in everything they do. Listen, I don't care what you do for a living. I really don't. The Bible says that you're to take care of your family and to provide for your family. And I think that God has given us many different abilities to do just that. We have one young man that's going through trucking school right now. I think that's awesome. I went through trucking school. It's a great living. Oh, my goodness. You can make, you can make six figures now driving a truck. Who'd have thunk it? That's kind of how we talked on the dock when I worked there for 12 years. Man, be a plumber, drive a trash truck, be a doctor, be a lawyer. Whatever it is you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it to honor God. It doesn't matter what you do in your life. If you're retired, be retired to the glory of God. Show people what it means to continue to serve God in retirement. No matter what you do, do it to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. Everything. Gentlemen, your job. Well, I don't like my job. It's all right. Do it to God's glory. Maybe if you'd start changing your perspective and start doing it to honor God and being the best you can be for him, not for your boss, not for your coworkers, not for the, the other employees, not for the customers. Maybe if you decide to be the best you can be at work for the honor and glory of God, maybe you'd start loving what you do. Maybe you'd start seeing in a different light. But a different perspective on this world begins when you start doing everything for the glory of God. And that includes being a husband for the glory of God. And that includes being a father for the glory of God. You're raising the most precious commodity we have. Jesus loves children. Understand that. Jesus loves children. And he thinks they're amazingly special. And he put you in their lives to raise them. That's a heavy responsibility, man. That's a deep responsibility. That's a powerful, powerful weight to carry. Real men are involved in their church in some form of ministry. Real men are secure enough to accept that their true strength comes from God. 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, when I'm weak in myself, when I acknowledge that I cannot do everything on my own, when I acknowledge that I cannot, I mean, it, it's, just, it, it's just common sense, isn't it? I can't be a great man of God on my own. I need God's help to be a great man of God. I can't be a great father for God without the help of God. I cannot be a great husband for God without the help of God. Don't be so proud that you think you can do it on your own because the Bible says 
Take heed, uh, let, let the one who thinks uh, pride, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. When you think you've got it all together, when you think you can do it on your own, that's when you're in trouble. Real men are secure enough to accept that their true strength comes from God. Third thing I think that God is looking for in a good man is men who will pass their faith along. Men who will pass their faith along. Not men who will just sit around and, and think, I'm okay, you're okay, let's all eat cake. Or it's all, it, 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 I'm just going to spend my life worried about my own faith and growing in my own faith and growing as close to God as I possibly can. Man, that's a worthy goal to grow, to grow as close to God as you possibly can. But along the way, you're called to share your faith. Along the way, you're called to pass your faith along. Along the way, you're called to be a sower of seed. How are you doing that? Charles Stanley said, True peace does not come as a result of eliminating sorrows and disappointments. It comes as a result of one thing, and that is an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is where anxiety ends and peace begins. That kind of understanding, that kind of peace, that kind of life comes from someone who has a deep abiding faith and someone who passes that faith along to others. Someone who shares that faith. And the way, the place you share that is right at home. I come from a generation that expects their children to be in church with their families every day. And I would challenge you, Folks, you don't give your kids a choice. <laughs> They're in church. Gentlemen, let me remind you of one thing. In your home, with your kids, you're the adult. You're in charge. You're the father. Now, my boys and I have a good time. We joke around, we laugh. Uh, when Zach was young, we used, to, we used to play wiffle ball together all the time. We used to do all kinds of things. We used to have a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what, if you were to ask all three of my sons, my 37-year-old son and my twin 10-year-olds, who's the father of the home? I'll guarantee you they'll give you the answer, Dad is. Because I know where the limit can be pushed to. And I, would, I know where foolishness stops and being an adult begins. And I take seriously my responsibility of raising these young men. Even today, my son and I, my oldest son and I text quite a bit. We talk quite a bit. We go back and forth a lot. And he asks me some tough questions. And I share with him some tough answers. Why? Not because I want to show him how smart I am. Because that young man, that not so young man anymore, has a call of God on his life and has people that look to him and has people in his life that are going to be looking, uh, uh, that are looking for answers and will be looking for answers and will lo be looking for leadership. And he needs to be the man God has called him to be. And God has placed me in his life as his father to share with him the same way my father shared with me, to help him become the best man of God he can be so that he can fulfill that role to the best of his ability. 
And my desire and my prayer for my two youngest boys is that they grow to become solid men of God who desire to live close to Jesus Christ and to share their faith and pass that faith along. And that they be good men, men of God, who are good to their wives and are good to their children. Men who pass their faith along. A true man of God, listen to this, a true man of God is a soul winner and a discipler. We don't use that, that phrase much anymore, do we? We don't call it soul winning much anymore. That's exactly what the Bible says. A true man of God has a burden and a passion for the souls of others, for the lives of others, because we understand and we realize that without Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in a place called hell. And nobody, nobody should live life without the opportunity of hearing about Jesus Christ. Listen, not everybody can be a mentor. A mentor is a very special place. You can teach, you can help. Not everybody can mentor people, but you sure can disciple others. You may not be able to mentor someone and be a, a leader of men, but you sure can disciple. How do you do that? Well, you show up. You show up. You get connected with other men. You, get, you, you make it a point to connect with other men and share your faith with them. The Bible tells us to strengthen the weak knees and to lift up the weak hands. When a man is in a difficult position, you know a man that hasn't been in church for a while and seems to be straying from the faith. Hey, listen, you know a guy who's not treating his wife and kids the way he should? Time to be a discipler, gentlemen. Time to make a phone call. Time to make a visit. Time to take a brother out for a coffee. And say, hey, hey, my friend, I've been noticing a few things. Can I share my heart with you? That's what a real man of God will do. Listen, gentlemen, I hear a lot, of, I hear a lot from people and I get a lot of emails and text messages about this church growing and what we, what we need to do and who needs to be where so that we can grow. Let me tell you what we need. We need you to start being a man of God. That's what we need. We need you to start being men of God. We need you to step up your game. Take it to the next level. Well, Pastor John, I'm serving. I know. I know who's serving. And I'm saying to you, just like I say to myself, you can ask my wife. You can ask my assistant pastor, son. I'm constantly trying to step up my game. My wife, for some reason, thinks I have a desire to get a, a master's degree, so I keep up with her, right? I got no desire to get a master's degree. I was looking at him. I just don't want to take that time. I really don't. I, I'm so thankful that she wants to go on and do the schoolwork and everything else. I'm very happy to audit courses and to read and things like that. I just don't want to make that commitment, because that's a big commitment, man. It's a big commitment of my time, and I just don't want to do it. I'd rather learn at my own pace. But I do know this, that it's my responsibility to continue to try to better myself and to continue to try to take myself to another level of walking with Jesus Christ, of living with Jesus Christ. I mentioned my father at the beginning of this, 
And I'm so proud and so thankful that I have a man of God that I could model myself after. For those of you who have been in this church for many years, you'll know I've, I've used this before. I think my father might have used it. Although my dad didn't really talk about that. My dad prayed about everything. I mean everything. My dad prayed about everything. I remember one day, now this was way back. Some of us will remember that. I won't name names. But some of us will remember a time when cars didn't always have seatbelts. Okay? Uh, my dad came home one day with this blue car. It was, it was, <laughs> this car was something else, man. We thought it was cool because it didn't have a back seat. I mean, there was a place for it, but there was no seat back there. There were cushions. And we thought it was really cool. I used to, I, my, my place in the, in the car, we used to always had a station wagon because there were four kids. I was in the way back. I was, the, I was relegated to the way back, right? And there's no seatbelt back there. Uh, I'd, I'd sit, if we had a sedan, I'd be up in the window sometimes, in the back window, looking at people. Yeah, good thing there weren't video cameras back then. But I remember that car, and we got in, and we sat, and Dad took us for a drive. And I remember when we, we were living on Bowling Lane in Elkton, Maryland. And I remember when we got out of it, I asked my father, I said, Dad, are, we gonna, uh, are you going to buy that car? And it's a, a car with no seat belts, no back seat. It was just a cool car. And my father said, we're praying about it. And I'll tell you what, that lesson has stuck with me since I was nine years old. My dad prayed about everything. My dad prayed about buying a used car with no back seat. That's amazing. You know what I do in my life now? I pray about everything. You know why? Because I was taught by a man of God that God wants to hear about everything. And God wants to have a say in my life about everything. Everything. Gentlemen, step up your game. Constantly try to make yourself better and try to move to the next level. That's why we surround ourselves with other men who can challenge us. Iron cannot sharpen iron unless it is close to the other piece of iron. Right? If you never bring those two pieces of iron together, they're not going to do anything any good for e either piece. They've got to be close. Proverbs 11:30 says, "The fruit of, of a righteous, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise." New King James. He who wins souls is wise. True man of God is an encourager to other men, not a competition for other men. A true man of God is an encourager for other men. We're not in competition. I, am not, I can't be you, you can't be me. There's no competition. We're not competing. We're trying to help each other become better. We're trying to help each other become closer to God. And as we grow, as we draw closer to God and grow closer to Him, we become stronger. And as we become stronger, our group of men become stronger. 
Our homes become stronger. Our marriages become stronger. Our children learn more and more and more about what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And when those things happen, gentlemen, when those things happen, New Life Church will begin to grow. New Life Church will become a powerful force Jesus Christ. Lastly, when God is looking for a few good men, I believe God is looking for men who will live by example. Not lead by example. Men who will live by example. Why not lead by example? Because when you're leading by example, you can put on a show. When you're leading by example, when the spotlight is on you, you can be somebody different. You can be an actor. You can put up a front for people when you're leading by example. And I'm not putting that down. I think, I think if you live by example, you'll be a great leader of example. But God is looking for men who will live by example. Men who can say, listen, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look to my example, not in an arrogant way, not in a prideful way, but in an honest and true way. Say, listen, if you want to know how to be a good husband, I can help you with that because that's what I try to do. I'm not perfect, but I do my best to be a solid, godly Christian husband. If you want to be a good father, follow me. Because I'm not perfect and my kids aren't perfect, but I desire to be a great father of God and to try to raise my children to be children of God. And if you want to know what it means to be a solid church member, someone who the leadership can count on, someone who their brothers in Christ can count on, someone who other people in the church can count on, someone who their wife and kids can count on, then follow me. Because my desire is to be a solid, godly man of my local church and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ by the way I live, not just by the way I sing on Sunday mornings. Not everyone can or should lead, but everyone can live an example of godliness and honor. Matthew 5 verses 14 and 16 say, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what that means? You know what, that, you know what he's saying there? You know what Jesus is saying to us? Live a life that matters. Live a life of purpose. Live a life of character and integrity according to the word of God. And if you do that, while people are watching you, because people are watching you, while people watch you, they will see your good works. And they will see a difference in your life. We don't talk about that much anymore. Living a difference, being a testimony in the community. As you live that way, people will see the difference in you. And they'll desire something that you have. And you will be the example that Jesus has called you to be. Live by example. You're a real man of God when you commit to study God's word. Commit to loving your wife. Commit to loving your wife like Jesus loves you. And when you commit to teaching your children about God. 
That's a real man of God. Someone who commits to studying God's word, someone who commits to loving his wife like Jesus loves him, and someone who commits to raising his children according to the teachings of the word of God. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, you know, as a young man, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 was a verse that I'd hear a lot and I'd read a lot, but I never really quite understood. But as I've become older, and as the responsibility of manhood, of of godly manhood has, has weighed on me through the years, I've come to understand this short, simple verse in a powerful way. Watch, stand in the faith, be brave, be strong. In the old King James, it says, watch ye stand firm in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Quit you like men, be strong. And I've realized through the years what that means. That there is a responsibility, a heavy responsibility that lays on the shoulder of men. A heavy responsibility that lays on the shoulders of husbands. A heavy responsibility that lays on the shoulders of fathers. And it's a burden not many, it's a burden that many choose not to carry. But I can tell you this, in my life I've never regretted carrying the burden of being a man of God. Carrying the burden of being a husband of God. Carrying the burden of being a father of God. I know it's difficult. I know there are times when you just throw up your hands and say, enough is enough. One thing after the other goes wrong. The spray hose on your sink breaks. Your lawnmower won't start. Your water heater goes out all within the space of two hours. I know it's difficult. But I also know that sometimes Satan overplays his hand and you realize and see that it's just him attacking. And that's when you stand firm in your faith and you gird up your your courage like a man and be brave and be strong. True men of God pursue truth, justice, and God's way. Micah 6, 8, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what 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 it is that the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. And I'll tell you what, gentlemen, if we could get those three areas down in our lives, justice, faithfulness, and humility, boy, we'd be well on our way to being men that God is pleased with. How do you measure up? Where do you fall on the scale of godly manhood. Listen, you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be the the one that is in the, the limelight. You just have to show up, be the, God, the, the man God has called you to be. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late to go back and change things. It's never too late to get on the right road. Ladies, it's never too late to start encouraging your husband to become the man that God has called him to be. Gentlemen, it's never too late 
Maybe you're not a dad. Maybe you're not an active father right now. Maybe your kids are grown and you're, you're on your own and your influence in their life is, is minimal. Well, it's never, never too late simply to be a man of God. Never too late to simply be an example of who God is and who he can be and what he can make your life. Be a man. Be a real man. Be a man of God. Because that's what we need. God's just looking for a few good men. How about you? How about you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and thank you for what it represents. Lord, I know that uh, some things that I said today don't sit well with many people. But Father, that's not what I'm called to do. To say things that sit well with everybody. Father, your word is clear on what it takes to be a man that you would write about, a man that you would use. Father, I'm so thankful for the men of this church. We have some solid rocks here, Lord. We're not perfect, but at least we're trying. Father, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, we can always be better. I pray for the men of this church, the fathers, the husbands, the men of influence. God, would you give them strength? Would you make them brave and courageous? Would you encourage us all to stand for you? I pray for the wives and the moms. May they be the helpers, the supporters, the strong right arm for us all. And God, would you blend us together as families? And may we make a difference for you. Lord, I pray that we'll celebrate our fathers today. Lord, whether our dads are with us or not, may we celebrate. May it be a day that we look to you and in thankfulness and grace. Bless us go from this place today. May our lives honor you. May we be all you've called us to be. In your precious name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.